0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. Listen again to verse 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So far, our text. You people are great. You really are. And I probably don't tell you this as often as I should, but you are the greatest members of any church that any pastor has ever had. I mean, is there a congregation on this side of heaven that's better than you folks? Now, I don't think so. I mean, show me the Lutherans that outshine you people. I can't say them. They're not out there. I mean, not only are you extremely faithful and highly intelligent, most of you are good-looking to boot. You folks are simply the best. I mean, you know you are. You're number one. So why don't you say that with me because you do deserve it. Ready? We're number one. We're number one. I know, I see you. You're sitting on your couch. You're not doing it. You're sitting at your kitchen table. Come on, let's do it. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. Didn't that feel good? The truth always feels good, doesn't it? Well, wasn't that special? But now it's time for you to listen up, and I mean listen. For God has something on his mind. God has something he wants to get off of his divine chest. Thus saith the word of the Lord to every single one of you this morning... You are not so great, none of you, not in the least. You are not number one, none of you, not even close. I am great, says the Lord God Almighty. I am the greatest, not you. Nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth even comes close to me. I am the first I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. You see, every once in a while, every so often, the creator needs to remind the creature as to the proper order of things. And much the same thing is true in the canine kingdom, too. Did you know that? Man's best friend occasionally needs to be reminded of the difference between the dog and the master. Because dogs have something that's called pack mentality. And when you bring a new puppy home, the first thing that puppy wants to know is, who's the leader of the pack at your house? I can remember uh, my black lab Laker when he would be naughty and stubborn and rammy, you know, here's what I would do. I would sit on him. I would hug him and, and literally take him to the ground until he calmed down, until he chillaxed, until he remembered. Oh yeah, the big guy with fur on his face. He is the alpha male around here. He's the master and I'm the hound every so often. The Creator needs to remind the creature as to the proper order of things. And that's exactly what's happening in our text this morning, Isaiah chapter 44. God's people had been naughty. For 200 years, God's people had been naughty, and God had had enough. He is fed up, sick and tired of idol worship, and mixed up priorities and spiritual laziness. Because remember, these are the same people whose ancestors God delivered from Egyptian slavery who crossed the Red Sea with dry tootsies and and who watched Moses come down from Mount Sinai. They actually saw the Ten Commandments with their own eyes. These are the folks now whom God has to remind of the first commandment all over again. And so we hear the voice of God thunder in our text. I'm the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Is there a God beside me? There is no rock. I know not any. Come on. I mean, isn't it mind-blowing that that God's own people had replaced him with other things in their lives? I mean, it does boggle the brain that, that God actually had to tell these people, you shall have no other gods besides me. But that's what sin does, doesn't it? In fact, sin can be defined this way. Sin is replacing God with something else in your life. And I love that definition. It's simple, it's easy to remember. Sin is replacing God ...with something else in your life. And when that happens... ...when you repeatedly replace God in your heart... ...with some kind of cheap imitation... ...that's when God will sit on you. That's when God will allow your life... ...to become uncomfortable for a time... ...to give you a chance to repent... ...to give you a chance to tell him that you're sorry... ...to ask for forgiveness so you can remember the proper order of things. You know, history bears this out. Adam and Eve replaced God with themselves, and God allowed them to become homeless, didn't he? The citizens of Babel replaced God with their beautiful city, and they became homeless too. David replaced God with Bathsheba, Solomon with his harem of pagan wives, they both paid the price. Pharaoh believed himself to be God's equal, and an entire generation of the firstborn perished. And Satan, Satan thought he was God's equal too, and was booted out of heaven like something on the bottom of God's shoe. This is exactly what's happening in our text. God is sick and tired of being ignored and and forgotten by his so specially and painstakingly chosen people whom he refers to over and over again in the Old Testament as his lovely bride. But the bride has been unfaithful. The bridegroom has been jilted, replaced by other gods and earthly things, and the bridegroom isn't going to take it anymore. And so the Bible tells us that God would allow Isaiah's people, those, those Israelites, those people closest to God's heart, God would allow their lives to become uncomfortable for a time. So, God can give them the chance to repent and and to be sorry and to return to his arms uh, again. And so, what happens one day? The Assyrian army shows up at Israel's door. And not soon after that, the Babylonian uh, army shows up too. To put it kindly, God allowed his unfaithful people to hit rock bottom. So, Let's time travel a little bit, shall we? Let's jump down from the Old Testament right back into the here and now, because there's two things that I want you to think about this morning. And the first thing is this. What is it that's making your life uncomfortable right now? I mean, what is it? Family problems, financial problems, health concerns, COVID-19, the unrest in our nation uh, these days. I mean, I mean you are gonna have problems. You are gonna have difficulties in your life because you are, after all, a sinful person living in a sinful and imperfect world. You're you're not in heaven yet. And until you are, this life will never be a piece of cake. consider this, is there a chance that God is using the uncomfortableness caused by sin to tap you on the shoulder, to send you a little message, because there are times when God does this. Second thing I want you to do is this, I want you to make a list in your head, and, and close your eyes if that will help. I want you to make a mental list of the people or things or activities that you replace God with the most. The people, the things, or the activities that you replace God with the most. Well, to get you started, I'll come clean myself. I'll make a confession. You know, three years ago my, my wife and I, we sold our house and, and we built our retirement house. And Uh, It's an ongoing project, and, and I will admit that there's times when I've replaced God, you know, with that house. And I'm not proud of that. But what about you? What have you loved more than God? I'll give you about 15 or 20 seconds to think about that. You know, if you're honest, making that little list was a little bit sobering, wasn't it? Because the items on the list aren't easy to admit. They're private, and they're personal, and it's a bit embarrassing. And what that list really does is it makes you consider what your priorities are story is told of a young investment banker who was driving his new BMW on a mountain road during a snowstorm. You can guess what's going to happen. Rounding a curve, he lost control of his vehicle, which began to slide off the road and over a steep cliff. At the last moment, the banker you know, leaps from the car, which goes over the cliff and bursts into a ball of flames below. And though he escaped with his life, the banker's arm had been torn from his shoulder. At that same moment, a truck driver happened upon the scene. He found the banker looking over the edge of the cliff, crying, My BMW! My new BMW! Buddy, the truck driver said, you've got bigger problems than that. Look at your arm. The banker gazed at where his arm had been and groaned, my Rolex, my new Rolex. When it comes to being a Christian, we're all guilty, pastors included, of having mixed-up priorities, even though our Christian priorities are, are so simple and so easy to remember. God, family, church, and everything else. God, family, church, and everything else. In fact, if you can remember simply to keep God at the top of your priority list, every other priority in your life will fall in place. Have you ever had a shirt or a coat with lots of buttons down the front? And have you ever gotten dressed in a hurry and discovered that all the buttons are uneven? Well, you know what you did because when you don't get the first button in the right hole, all the other buttons are out of line, too. And here's my question Do you have the first button right? in your life? Is God number one in your heart, in your life, or have you replaced him with someone or something else? And if your life has been rocky or uncomfortable lately, might not God be sending you a message about the proper order of things and encouraging you to make some changes? If I want you to know that if indeed that's what's happening in your life these days, God is doing that because he loves you. He's allowing you a little kick in the trousers because he wants to forgive you and he wants you to come back to him. Don't you see? God doesn't suffer from mixed up priorities at all. He never has and he never will. You've always been his number one the love of his life, his bride, the apple of his eye. If that wasn't true, he would have never created you or sent his son to die for you or opened up Christ's grave and your future grave on Easter morning. You know what? You really are a great congregation, I can honestly say that you are the greatest congregation that I've been associated with in the past 30 years. But as wonderful and as amazing as you people are, you aren't number one and you never will be. And God said, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Amen. And the peace in Christ which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.